0: Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. The
1: argwolf, this mane or this extra long hair, uh, and I mean long, um, and it, but it runs all the way across their back to their tail.
0: What can they teach us? They're saying that it's going to have, looking at it from a human perspective, these invasive termite species are going to have substantial economic impact. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris.
1: And I'm Angie. It,
0: it's like I want to howl, but I know that is so inappropriate for the species.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, they do. It, the data says they do make somewhat of a... A small little howl noise, but I couldn't Ooh. find I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, it's it's pretty shy and gentle. So yes. a roaring, or oh, okay. yeah. I, so I mean, noises are appropriate. I think when we talk about the aardwolf.
0: Yes, yes. It's uh, we're staying in Africa this week, and it's really our spooky October. You mm-hmm. know, so Angie has a good lineup of of species to cover this month. And I'll tell you what, this was a good one to start with. This was a very good one to start with.
1: Oh yes. It's besides having wolf and making you think of Halloween and howling at the moon and all of that, just a really unique mammal. I, I, that's what just blew me away time and time again when I was doing my research this week is ardwolves? They're not aardvarks. Are they wolves? Are yeah. they aardvarks? I don't know. They're where do they fit? And where do they fit? And Chris, I think we may have an overall podcast winner for the cutest pup. (gasps) An aardwolf pup is just the cutest thing you'll ever see. We'll put some pictures on our show notes. I ran over and showed John, and he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, it looks like an animal wearing a Halloween costume. Like, that's how cute (laughs) it is. I'm looking at
0: it right now. I'm looking at it right now. All right, all right. It's, it's definitely yes. It is definitely one of the contenders for the cutest babies. That's, Don't you that's, think?
1: That's, yeah,
0: that's pretty dang cute. That's uh
1: It's like a uh, mix mixture of a dog, a zebra, a hyena, or uh, somebody described it somewhere like a small hyena going through like a punk rock phase, or maybe even a hipster yes, phase, yes, or something. Yes, yes, yes. Just, yes. just, but just so unique and really unique physiology, which we like to dork out about. When we think of um, decent sized mammals, especially carnivorous mm-hmm. ones, to be strictly an insectivore and eat insects is just crazy. Oh, it's,
0: this is a great species you want to learn about. Like, it's just one of those obscure ones that you, you hear about sometimes. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I kind of know what that is.
1: But, but is it made really... up? Is it? Is yeah. It, is yeah. It right? Yeah. It's
0: like a Frankenstein. It's like the perfect. Well, and, I, and I'll have to tell you,
1: about. I felt—I don't know if ignorance is the right word—but I just felt like I'd been missing out because I have been blessed enough to go to Africa a few times and go on mm-hmm. safaris, and I've been, been even been on a couple of night safaris, and and arduous is not really something that's like super brought up or that. It's Obviously, it's not one of the big five. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's really underappreciated. And then as I dove more into the literature and research, same thing. There's just not a ton, a ton of data out there. But we'll go over with what is known besides the fact that they are stinking cute. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's what you want to see now, right? I mean, it, oh. it's...
1: Yes, thank you for finishing yeah. my thought that's why you're the best the best yeah. podcast partner uh but yes yes bring it home angie lay on the plane come on yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh yeah. but yes and so now that's why i love this podcast is really opening up to what i guess i had been missing by thinking of just wanting to see a leopard right or mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of the other some of the other animals that have um eluded me throughout the years so yes aardwolf is on the list for sure
0: no i i mean you've been in Ardwolf territory when That's what I'm. Yeah, it's, yeah,
1: I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was probably even in my guidebooks. I'm, I'm super dork and I have, the, I have the book where you can like, you know, put little X marks in the ones that yeah. you see and like little <laughs> yeah. notes and things like that. And I don't know if it's just either yeah, so obscure or whatever, but mm-hmm. it doesn't get the hype. And obviously, we didn't see any because what I did learn this week is one of the best ways to see them is to basically go out at nighttime, plant yourself by a termite mound, and then wait. Yes,
0: and wait. Yep.
1: <laughs> Which most of these commercial. Uh, tour operations—that's not really what they do. So you need to you no. need to find a friend or a friend of a friend, <laughs> a friend of or a do friend. Do some
0: research on them. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. No, it's gonna be fun. It's a lot of cool facts coming your way on this one, and just really quickly, I mean, amazing month with the species lineup we have. Uh, Angie and I are busy doing some interviews. I'm very excited to talk to one tomorrow. I think I already I already gave a hint. It's like one of the slowest moving animals on earth, and she's down in yes. Costa Rica.
1: And so I have a Halloween fun. interview. Yes. You've got a good, you landed well. a good one. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we've got
0: a big uh I think a big name that people are gonna know once we uh get that scheduled. I have to get the hard date on that one. So awesome interviews coming your way. Special episode with our 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 bestie Corbin Maxi that we recorded last week.
1: Uh so love Corbin. One. Yes, big shout out to him. Thank you. And look for that fun episode that is also has a little bit of a spooky or Halloween type theme to it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just a uh, fun month, fun month. Uh, just really quickly, thank you to Eliza, who joined us on Patreon this month. So, you know, again, the cost of a cappuccino each month, you help us out, help our mission to keep educating the masses on these species. And we do give back to conservation, giving back to the Coral Reef Foundation last month. And pretty soon we'll be voting on the next slate of organizations. So, so anyways, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, and I want to give a huge shout out this week to Jackson from the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. He reached out to Chris and I probably a month or so ago, a little while ago now, and – just said how much he loved the podcast and he gave us some recommendations and the Ardwoof was in his recommendation. And that one really jumped out at me as, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Like, is that real? What is that? (laughs) And so thank you, Jackson. Uh, Hopefully you're going to have a lot of listeners that are loving this podcast. And once again, we, we love interactions. You can join us on our Facebook page. And then we also have an all creatures group with uh, a couple hundred people to interact and we post articles and discuss them and a real place for animal nerds like ourselves. So we'd love to see you on there if you haven't. And as I always say too, please, please uh, give us a review on Apple's iTunes. That really helps us get our numbers where we need them and helps us get uh, people viewing our podcast when they type in animal podcasts and things like that. Uh, I don't think we have any reviews yet in this month. So be the first or the second or the third. We'd really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Angie, real quick, I got to, you know, on Instagram too, you can follow us at all creatures pod. Uh, but Dr. Sean Dash uh, sent us a message and I told him I, I would give this to you. So he wrote, best podcast out there. Encourage my students to listen. Even assigned a few. I know if you started following, keep up the good work. So shout out to Dr. Dash at Hampton University there and his students. You know, Thanks for listening and, and supporting the podcast. Now, Dad. I have a question for, for them. I have a question for you and a question for them so they can think about it during the podcast. But why do they call this animal the ard wolf,
1: Angie? Is I, it a canid? I, I
0: thought it was a canid. I literally totally
1: thought, it was, thought it was. 100%, yes. Chris. 100%. Like, I can't <laughs> even fib and say 99%. <laughs> but it's not, not even close. No, really? No. It's, it's more related to cats. Like, why does it have a wolf in its name? I know. But, you know, I think part of it is that it does have a face and a snout, like a dog. And I think in the ears, those like big, mm-hmm. big fox or bat ears. But then after that, it does get kind of wacky. Stripes like a zebra, tongue like an aardvark. So yeah. <laughs> it's well, just fun. All right,
0: well, yeah. So we got to describe it. Like, what? there you go. You're talking about the face. Mm-hmm. Has that, what, crazy mane? I mean... What are some of the other features of the Ard Wolf?
1: Well, yeah. So the dog face their snout, if you will, anybody that has a beloved Fido at home for the most part would recognize the face like like a dog face, if you will. Uh, But they're typically black or darker in color than the the snout or muzzle area. And Mm -hmm. then they do, they have like a thick yellow, blonde, light brown, maybe a little reddish tint fur Mm base to them. But basically, starting at their neck shoulder area, then they have black stripes like a zebra. I'm not Mm -hmm. even kidding. They're spaced out like the species we covered a few weeks ago, the bingo, bango bongo. Bongo. So the black stripes are spaced out an inch or two apart. But these bands or stripes run all the way across the animal and uh, down their legs as well. And then they just have the most darling, bushy... Foxtail or like husky tail, just poof, puff. Just love it. It's very, it's a very um, ideal tail for me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, l- I love mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. fluffier, the better. But with that, yeah, the mane. Let's talk about the mane. Yeah, That's what's yeah. crazy.
0: The 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 mane, Angie. I think what is it like? Would you say? Did you say it earlier? It, it looks like a mohawk, right? I mean, the babies have it.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: so and it, cute. It, so and it's cute. like a, it goes. It's like, I don't. Know, it's like a reverse dulcer stripe. I don't know how you how you identify this thing because it's bushy all the way striped back down their back.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big difference. When We think of a mane a lot of times. We think of a lion around the neck area, or us, Chris and I, in the horse world. We think of a horse mane that stops at their basically their shoulder blades or the withers area. But with the aardwolf, this mane or this extra long hair, uh, and I mean long, um, lays down most of the time, and it but it runs all the way across their back to their tail. And then the long yeah. hair just kind of bleeds gently into the fluffy tail. And you can see it, of course, when they're just relaxed, but... Some of the pictures of them uh, when they do poof their hackles up uh, like a dog or something when they are either wanting to look tough and look big or threatening or they're scared. Uh, It's not just like your dog when they are like hackles go up. This is like long Mm. mohawk hair across their whole from basically from the base of their skull to their tail. And it's just darling. And then, of course, the uh, and the pups. They look like miniature adults except for their black high points are a little bit darker and they have a little bit more black tail. And then they have their mane that runs through their whole body is short and black and just darling and super punk rock, if you ask me. It is.
0: It is. It is. Now, thinking about them, Angie, I always thought they they look... I guess the pictures make them look bigger than they are. I mean they only Yeah, stand. Another
1: myth buster, yeah. Chris. If you yeah. if you would have asked me a week ago, I'd been like, oh yeah, like sixty, seventy pounds, easily. Yeah, yeah, husky size. No, yeah. they, they weigh up
0: to twenty-two pounds or ten kilograms.
1: They're darling little dainty things. <laughs> They're and, tiny. They're tiny. And that reminded me a little called, bit more of yeah. the fox with the, the big ears as yes. big bat fox yes. ears as well. And then and then the size, I was like, Okay, that's probably similar to like a fox size, but they're not related to foxes.
0: No, 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 They're not a canid. The, but yeah, 20 inches tall at the shoulder, so 50 centimeters max. This is max height. Length, 31 inches, so or 80 centimeters. And then their tail is about eh, a foot long or, oh, you know, that 30 tail is just
1: That tail is just something you want to take to like a... Dog yeah. and pony show. I just love it. But yeah,
0: I would say I fox it. size. They're more fox size. And you would think, you know, in Africa, where we're going to talk about their range next, it'd be a little bit bigger. Or hyena size, you know, because we're right. going to find out that they're more related to hyenas than anything else. So anyways, uh, yeah, some amazing eye-opening facts about the Art Wolf. Uh, They do live in open, dry plains or the bushlands. Uh, They don't like mountains or very heavily wooded areas. Mm -hmm. So they tend to avoid those. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is, like Angie said earlier, they're insectivores. And you said parking at a termite mound. They're termite specialists. So they want to be in these open savannas where there's a lot of termites, you know, termite mounds, specifically, specific termites, which we're going to talk about a little bit later.
1: Yeah, they're like special specialists. I just made, that's not a science term. (laughs) Please, Dr. Dash, don't (laughs) lie.
0: Yes, I know, I know.
1: Uh, But... They, besides just being a specialist, which they're specialists in general. As so a generalist, will mm-hmm. eat anything. Uh, that's what I am. My kids are yeah. specialists and they like their you know, their chicken nuggets, their macaroni yeah. and pizza. Ice cream. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I guess a specialist specialist would be if they only wanted to eat the pizza or whatever. And that's, yes. these aardwolves really specialize in one species of termite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. From the family H- Hodo termite today, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, here in a little bit but you're right so they specialize in this this, there's termites everywhere Mm -hmm. but it's only in this specific kind of termites so that's why they're located in these two regions of africa which you're going to find out there's two species or or two subspecies so you have the southern subspecies Mm -hmm. down there in in south africa botswana uh, namibia mozambique so, mm-hmm. Kruger, where Angie was almost a year ago, right? Could have like seen him ago.
1: there. That's one place yeah. I could have seen him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They are there,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then you have the subspecies that's up in East Africa or the Horn of Africa. So Tanzania, Kenya, Somalia, Ethiopia.
1: Could have seen them in Tanzania as well. I know.
0: <laughs> so you probably did. They probably ran by you, or you, you know, you just didn't know. I didn't
1: when I was in Tanzania. I didn't do uh, many night drives because we were actually collecting research during the day on wildebeest. Mm-hmm. So we were tired at nighttime. Um, yeah. And then the other any, times like, ran
0: by you at night and you just didn't know it like you know yeah, it oh, named. well,
1: that's right, yeah. exactly. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure. but now next time i'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the hunt next time for sure,
0: so andy, going into
1: white care, I mean, just Google an Ardwolf pup. that's it. yeah, show your okay, significant you other go. your friends, your family. you're welcome <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I Okay. That's true. That's true. But I, you know, I sat there and, and you try to think about it in an ecological niche, niche of an insectivore. And, you know, they are important. I mean, the, the simple answer is they are important to, to control populations of insects. We know that, right? I mean, I go back. Oh, geez. Ian, when I, oh, Ian from LA Zoo, when we talked about the the mountain yellow belly... Frog. I'm trying to remember the full name of it, but you know, the, the, the Southern yellow legged mountain frog or whatever it was in, in California. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said he would walk through these canyons where the frogs used to be, but are no longer there. And he's now this is anecdotal. This isn't scientific evidence, but he's like, the mosquitoes were out of control. It was insane. Like a swarm of mosquitoes in these canyons you go into canyons where the frogs were he's like the mosquitoes were not that bad if at all you know because the the frogs uh, tadpoles would eat the mosquito larvae right so there's a a give and take you know insectivore uh, controlling insect populations so when i'm thinking of it from the aardwolf standpoint they're helping keep control of termites which are an ecologically important species we're going to talk about here in a second but Again, you need something keeping them in
1: check. Checks and balances. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and a quick little spoiler alert, which is really, really good news, I think, uh, especially when we're doing this Halloween or these spooky fun episodes, uh, the hard wolf is least concerned by the IUCN. So mm-hmm. at this point, their population does pretty well. Uh, now, they are hard to count because they're nocturnal, and we'll talk more about that when we get to behavior, but they're doing pretty well. However, they do often clash with farmers because farmers will need to clear the land to plant whatever they're going to plant, and they see the aardwolves as either threats or annoying, or sometimes mistake them for hyenas. But as Chris mentioned, it's really important to point out that these aardwolves play a key role in pest control. Oh, that's like mm-hmm. a little rhyme rap there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, one statistic said that they can eat over a hundred and five million termites a year. Wow, wow. That's like a huge That's number. A, and a lot. And yeah, and so and artists do consume a few other insects and we'll talk about that in during nutrition, but they can help previ- prevent some crop damage too mm-hmm. as well oh. if they're around in the area. And so so they have their ecological niche, which is, I think, really critical. But then there's also how they can benefit humans if we fully understand that they're not a threat. And they're super shy. They don't attack humans. Nothing. like They're tiny. Like, they're super small. Uh, and so, yeah, we just got to learn to share the land with them a little bit better.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I I, I could just imagine they're, they're such an important species, you know, yeah. to combat. And to
1: I was – I was trying to make myself feel a little bit better about being just so unfamiliar with the aardwolf. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, are they at zoos? And interestingly enough, there's really not a lot of zoos that house them, at least mm-hmm. here in North America uh, and or in the UK. But Chris, I did find that the Cincinnati Zoo here in the US does house aardwolves. Uh, and that just made me really happy because of our good friends that work at the Cincinnati Zoo. Mm-hmm. We have Dr. Aaron Curry that you interviewed for polar bears, polar bears boy, yeah. a long, long time ago. We first started, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. I was so happy to interview uh Christina about the famous Fiona, Fiona. the hippo. Yep. Yep. That was a fun one. So, yeah. this and there's somebody else too, right?
0: Yeah, Ron, Ron Evans, who mm-hmm. did the gorilla. That is, uh, that's 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 the one. I mean, all of them are amazing. Since Zoo is amazing, but that's another interview that I just loved listening to him talk. Buzz experiences in Africa. So yeah, with gorillas. Yeah,
1: so they have yeah, a great amazing. team there, and they have wolves, So if you're yes. in the neighborhood, <laughs> check them out. And then, of course, we got to go Zizou, across yeah. across the UK. I did find that Hamerton Zoo Park in the UK okay. has them. Okay. So they are okay. there. They're just not as uh, as prevalent as maybe right. hyenas or others, other uh, somewhat similar species. So I didn't feel as bad when I learned that I hadn't been walking past them at my own zoo <laughs> every day. No, Does like, doesn't have them? I don't oh, think so. No, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yes. which is shocking, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, what to tell Rick. Yeah, Rick, mm-hmm. get, get your articles down there, buddy. <laughs> well, so Angie, you know, looking at, I've been talking a lot about Central Africa lately and, and, and just Africa conservation in general. So I wanted to kind of take a different track because we're always talking about impacts on the big species. How about impacts of climate change on insects? You know, we know some we we talked a little bit about plants and how climate change is changing altering habitats for animals. We've talked about that. But we we haven't really talked about insects because a very important food source for the aardwolf.
1: Well, Chris, you are a brave man doing a little entomology (laughs) excerpt here. We've been asked we've been asked before to Uh, cover some insects, and so far, you and I have just shied away from it because it's yeah. so out of our comfort zone. But I'm, I'm going to sit back and put my seatbelt on, buddy. Go for it. Let's, we might. Let's hear. We might.
0: You know, after we run out of a couple thousand species, we <laughs> might get to make some,
1: <laughs> some will be insects. like old and gray, yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. So I looked up a study. It was, it was out of Ecology and Evolution, uh, published in 2017, and the title was Invasive Termites in a Changing Climate, a Global Perspective. So I'm thinking, how is climate change affecting the aardwolf's food supply? You know, looking at it from the aardwolf's perspective. Now, what these researchers did is they did some predictive climate modeling based on, you know, these invasive termite species that they've identified, meaning these termites are migrating out of their historical ranges we we know this is happening so they looked at the data that they already had that they had already collected you know had gone x amount of kilometers or whatever outside their historical range and then they just did some climate modeling it's going to warm up x amount over the next few years Mm -hmm. what does that mean for these species and they do state that invasive species are more likely to adapt to new climatic conditions because usually they're abundant. Mm-hmm. They tolerate these changes. In
1: they've climate. already, yeah, they've already adapted yeah. to their yeah. new home. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh, the climate's great over here. They cover, you know, wide ge- geographical ranges. And they, here's, the, here's the thing that I thought was interesting is they have highly competitive biological traits that make them, you know, able to do that. Like I think of the lion, we will cover the lionfish at some point, you know, there in the Caribbean. Off oh your coast yeah, I, I
1: saw one and reported it.
0: Oh, you didn't eat it? You didn't catch <laughs> no, it? you're supposed to just like kill them on site. Or sorry, we don't like doing that, but they're pretty horrific.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't. Have, I didn't have the training and the in the gear, but I <laughs> I did reach fishing. out. Yeah, I did reach out to the organization. and they're like, "Oh, you should get trained and come do some stuff with us." And yeah. it sounds it sounds really really helpful and interesting. Um, and it would get me back in the ocean more. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time right now for that, but yeah. in the future, with the two kids, yeah. But yeah. I would eat them if they were, that's for sure. If they were at my yeah. local restaurant, I love seafood. Yeah. Especially invasive species. Or. If I'm helping, if I'm helping the environment out, environment out by eating a certain species of fish over another hmm. one. Or how find, about Burmese python? Do
0: you have, those things are. Well, still yeah, one, bad, thing <laughs> one thing at a time.
1: One thing at a time.
0: I'll you for a year. All right. So termites are, these are critical ecological important species. So. I don't want people to, to to take away from this podcast that termites are bad insects. They're actually very, very important. They provide a lot of ecological benefits. They're important to the carbon cycle. Ecosystem engineers, they're very important to, to an ecosystem. But, hi, Zachy. <laughs>
1: hey, um,
0: hi, Zachy.
1: Can you say hi? Are you bored watching football?
0: <laughs> hi.
1: Well, his Patriots aren't on, so. Hey, I Zach. Uh, Zach, do you know what an aardwolf is? No, I don't
0: know. Does it go
1: woo?
0: Yeah. What's an aardwolf eat? I don't know.
1: You don't know yet? Not Describe yet. It for huh? him. What does it look like? Can you say like? Does it look like a dog or a, a horse or a zebra? A dog. Mm-hmm. It
0: does look like a dog, huh? It does. What are these? Stripes. It's got stripes. Do you know what it eats? I don't know. You don't know. You
1: don't know. Okay. What what noise do you think it makes?
0: I don't. Let me
1: hear you howl. Or... Uh, no, I do not. Oh. Howl.
0: Can you do that?
1: Mm.
0: No. Zachy, how old are you now? Four. You, you're four, huh? You're getting so big, buddy. You're getting so big. Yeah, what's your favorite animal? Uh tiger. Oh a tiger. Do tigers roar?
1: Chef. <laughs> Well I'll tell you what, that's like the third time this week I've been a uh, zoom bombed by my four year old, so <laughs>
0: it's okay. It's okay.
1: I think it happened last week too. Yes. This yeah, uh, being at home there. all the time is uh is yeah. really uh. really something. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Well, I think I'm gonna leave that in because that was super cute. Anyways, <laughs> it's
1: just it's He fun. is. He's I could just yeah. I could just talk about I mean Zachy definitely hands down is way cuter than an aardwolf pup. And aardwolf pups are super cute. So super cute, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. So we're talking about termites and the benefits of termites, but with climate change, these invasive species of termites are pushing out native termite species. And we know that the aardwolf specializes on eating termites from that family, more specifically trinnovitums, whatever, mm-hmm. trinnovitums is that, whatever, specific genus genre of termites. That they only find in south and east africa so looking at the study i thought it was quite interesting because they are seeing these invasive species from central africa migrate out and invade other parts of africa south africa and also east africa so like one is mastoterms nesis is a species invasive species that is its territory is expanding and expanding out greatly in Africa. So, you know, in conclusion, they were just, you know, I was looking at it from the aardwolf's perspective, but they're saying that it's going to have, looking at it from a human perspective, these invasive termite species are going to have substantial economic and ecological damage. And it's, it's climate change, urbanization, globalization, uh, becomes more pronounced, you're gonna see more of this interaction with in, these invasive species and I just wanted to take it quickly and, and tie it up nicely for seeing how we always have to think about the whole of an ecosystem you know, yes. we haven't said this in a while we've said mm-hmm. it in many of our podcasts, but from top you know bottom up top down, it's not just the effects on the the megafauna you know, or the bird species, the insect populations, the microbes in the soil, all of it, all of it is tied in. I don't know if I'll ever talk about microbes in the soil on this podcast (laughs) with like a scientific paper,
1: but I know
0: it's having an effect, right? Like it's having an effect. Of course.
1: Yeah. And that's what I, I just did a homework assignment with some of my behavior and ecology students where here in Florida, I had them draw a food chain and then basically, yeah, what happens if one of those guys goes extinct? It's not Mm -hmm. just going to be, oh, they're extinct. That's sad. It's the whole, not only food chain, but I I talk a lot more about food web that's Mm -hmm. influenced and affected. And then same thing, like then when you start talking about invasive species coming into an area, they're not usually just influencing one other thing that they compete with. Mm -hmm. They're influencing, like you said, the bottom up and top down. And so it is, it's very, very complex.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I know we were joking about the Burmese python, but, you know, I was just watching, uh, I think on National Geographic a couple weeks ago, a show on the Everglades, and they're just saying like raccoon populations are down 99%. I know, I think we talked about that in that episode way back when, but yeah, these invasive species are devastating to these food webs, you oh, know, yeah. especially when you get a mega predator like a Burmese python with, you know, just uninhibited. Yeah. In the Everglades. I mean, just, oh, it's, it's scary. It's really scary, actually, mm-hmm. you know, for the ecosystem. All right. Art Wolf Evolution, Angie. Is it a canid? No. <laughs> <We> <laughs> that's already, what I learned right away.
1: That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll be proud of me. I was actually reading up on the evolution because I was just so fascinated by it. Usually, a lot, a lot of times, I take a back seat and just let you do the work and tell me all about it. But no, it's so interesting.
0: It is. Natural history is like, it's it's i could go back i don't know i still like the physiology
1: behavior aspects of stuff but i feel like you know, it's, i it's, need it's, the physiology to understand everything else but it's, that's just might be Very the way true. my brain works everybody's brain is a little bit different yeah. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSC. I'm Jane
0: Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing Bureau Chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places. Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian, Rana Mitter, joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face Off launches April 9th. The natural history just blows me away. Like, I just, when I think about it and, you know, the millions of years to get to where we are today... But no, the Ardwolf is not a canid. It's actually, the order is filiformia.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: the felids, if you go down the tree, the, the, the cats and hyenas, we're going to get there. But I just remembered, we just did this order, feliformia, And these are the cat-like carnivores. So there's cats, the hyenas, mongoose, some related taxa. Can you think of one that we did recently that's kind of
1: from this family? Ooh, you're you're talking to the mom brain tonight, Chris. <laughs> I uh, know, we just saw Zach come in. End and of the weekend, yeah. Zach came in. Yeah. Uh, wow. It should be really easy for me. It was. I
0: think it was like four podcasts. I month. know.
1: I'm sure it was not that and long. And it's right ago. off the coast
0: of Africa. And
1: it's oh, fun. FASA.
0: Yeah, Fusa, fossa, fossa, fossa. Okay, okay, okay. You
1: are the best yeah. hint giver too. Thank you. But yeah, wow, well,
0: <laughs> that was that was a
1: fun horse. one though. Gosh, I'm sp- I mean, yeah. talk about wacky.
0: Yeah, yeah, fossa was amazing. So the viverrids and, and related taxa. So phylloformia, but then you go to the family with yard wolf, and that's high hy- hy- hyena day. Hyena so day. the hyenas, <laughs> yeah. So they're they're really closely related to hyenas.
1: So they're not an aardvark. No. no and they're not no. a wolf.
0: No, and they're not like a cat cat. They're not like no, a filidae. Yeah. But they're closer to that. They're hyenas. They're so, basically hyenas.
1: Do you know why they're insects. called aardwolves then?
0: Yeah. Okay. So that one is because in Afrikaans, right? Mm-hmm. The ardwolf means earth wolf. So I was like okay. Why earth wolf? But it's because they live in underground burrows. So they said, no. "Oh, it's a wolf that like lives in these underground burrows." So that's where it God's name. But yeah, it has nothing to do with wolves.
1: Fascinating. Yes. <laughs> All right.
0: So what we know about the the ardwolf evolution? A little, you know, very interesting. They actually diverged from hyenas a long time ago it could be as far as 32 million years ago or as recent as 15 million years ago.
1: So Which, they That's not surprising to me because yeah. all they they're so different than yes, very hyenas. Different, very
0: different. very different. So they 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 had that that ancestor that long ago one mm-hmm. of them went left, the other one went right. Mm-hmm. You know, to a bone crunching, you can go back to the hyena episode.
1: Powerful jaw. So.
0: Yes. <laughs> Just amazing, amazing scavenger, animals, all of that which yeah. you did see in Africa. I know that I you did. Sent I sent
1: you so many videos, and I got to see hyena pups too. So yes, that yes, was, yeah, was so cool. That it was, was so a cool. highlight for sure.
0: Yeah. Then the aardwolf went left to become an insectivore. Now today's aardwolf emerged. They think about one and a half million years ago. So you know it might have been a different species, but the they've been around for a while, and. Reading some of this research, you know, on the evolution, I didn't really think about it, but they find this article very interesting because it's called my how oh, these big words myrmecophagy or ant and termite eating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's better. Word of the day is a feeding strategy or ecological niche for primitive mammals. So they said 60 million years ago, like the American giant anteater, you know, specialist, like relatives of them, 60 million years ago, this is what they, they started eating were insects. And then they migrated or, or transferred over to eating each other or other mammals or whatever, you know, birds, reptiles, things like that. So this is a very specialized mammal, very unique mammal. That's an insectivore. Now, mom brain,
1: sorry. I'll ask you. It, it's Is it's there, a real diagnosis. For, it's
0: for true. You had a busy day. It's the uh, weekend. Can you name another mammal in Africa that also has a strategy? It's an insectivore.
1: Well, the aardvark. Yeah. Did I just stump you? That's not what you're going for? I think that's that's my one answer. I only to answer one.
0: Okay, you stumped me. Yes. Okay. I yes. didn't have that wasn't that was not what I was thinking. I was thinking of another poor little mammal that has scales. And oh, the most pangolin. yeah, pangolin. I was thinking of pangolins, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm okay. like a little
1: kid. I get so excited. I'm like, oh, Chris <laughs> just gave me a super easy clue and I know the answer. Yay. <laughs> and you stumped
0: me. All right. So yeah, but yeah, pangolins too, you know, also mm-hmm. a so specialist.
1: Yeah, their tongue was real long. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It, they, they
0: they said this was a strategy more for primitive mammals, but these ones have kept it and have done really well with it, mm-hmm. you know, so.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So like I said, this, the species of of aardwolf, the, the name is Protellus cristata, which
1: Ooh, is very easy to say. Very good. And do you know where that came from?
0: No, I I know what it means, though. I did get find that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Latin, right? Like, mm-hmm. Protellus means complete in front, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. Because, why? I mean, you obviously know.
1: Oh well, that's it. Was one of the ways that they definitely differ from hyenas is they have five toes on their front paws and four on their back. That's crazy. I know. It's like so weird. It's like mm-hmm. this animal
0: so unique. It's so unique. Yeah, and then the crustatus is. Providable. I think I had a. Co-
1: I think I had a cousin like that once. I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like the extra finger? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the cristatus is the provided with a comb. So that's talking about their manes.
1: I know. That's how we should have described in the beginning. Yeah, like a comb uh, across their back yeah. when it stands up right uh, in the so center. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's so cool. All
0: right. Uh, the East African population is Protellus cristata septatrinolus. And then the South African is Protellus cristata cristatus. So, two subpopulations or mm-hmm. subspecies. Yeah. So, one species with two subspecies.
1: Well, and we talked about how they love to live in savannas because it's where a lot of the termite mounds are grasslands, if you will, not a big, basically, an area lacking trees with height for the most part, is the way I describe it. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting is the two distinct populations are separated because there's forests in between, and it's called the miombo forests and mm-hmm. so basically a long time ago that divided the two populations and then of course they probably evolved just a little bit separately to their different niches that they live in and yeah. they don't like the forest as Chris mentioned so they one kept down south and one kept more in the um, the east or northeast central east I suppose
0: yeah 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 no it's it's fascinating you see I, I, I go back to bonobos and chimpanzees and I go back to the gorillas and and different species and how a river totally divides species, you know, Mm -hmm. totally like bonobos and chimps. It was just one large river. And one you have that's like totally peaceful, hippie. I love everybody. Mm -hmm. Bonobos to I'll rip your face off. I'll eat you chimpanzees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. There's all different ways that throughout evolution that, uh, Species have radiated into other other species or other subspecies, and mm-hmm. geographical barriers is a huge one, and that's actually called allopatric speciation.
0: There you go. There yeah. you go. See, we're, we're teaching people. All right, here you go. I'm going to teach you something new. This is you got to put your seatbelt on, as you'd say. All right. So, looking because I'm I'm starting to run out of animals to, to to these prehistoric. I always look for these prehistoric crazy looking animals and. I was looking for you know ant eater types there's a couple that weren't too exciting but I did I was just I don't know how I came across this but I did find research or this article on the largest termite mound ever
1: Ooh so that's something, fun
0: something totally different way cool
1: Totally different I have no idea
0: Yeah well, this is insane this is insane Like a
1: bus size or something
0: Yeah oh the no it's country size. Okay. Scientists discovered a super colony in Brazil. It's a very old termite, quote unquote, city. All right. Now, the individual mounds, okay, this is all connected. Individual mounds, some are 10 feet tall, 30 feet wide. That's
1: big. Okay. So, yeah,
0: bigger mm-hmm. than what? A city bus, you know, whatever, three stories wide. Mm-hmm. The youngest mound that they found because they carbon date this stuff, was over 680 years old. Wow. The youngest. Yeah. The oldest mound was 3,900 years old.
1: Dang. <laughs> so, That's incredible. This
0: interconnected network of termites, you will never guess how big it is. I guess. I just guess the size of it.
1: Um. Well, you said the size of like a small country, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like Israel or. Okay, uh, a little bit bigger. Oh, wow. I was... The
0: mound, these mounds, all interconnected, spread out over an area the size of Great Britain.
1: There you go. That's <laughs> insane. Over,
0: they, estimate, they estimate there's about 200 million mounds.
1: Oh, my God. All gosh. connected, all wow. one
0: giant termite colony. so i will link this in the show notes because i just was like are you kidding me this i love when you discover these geeky science things nature just
1: just blows yeah yeah, just blows blows the doors open all the time
0: those giant anteaters are i'm sure just having a field day down there yeah
1: the size of great
0: britain that's they're all connected they're all connected Like, how does that even work? Oh, that's why we don't do
1: insects. I don't even, my mind can't even. That's uh, the full circle right there. Lesson learned. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. So I thought it was cool. Largest termite mound ever is in Brazil. And it's about the size of Great Britain. All right. Uh, As far as the city and everything. Some other things we know about our wolves. They can live about 18 years in the wild. Though we don't have any hard data. Uh, There was one that lived up to twenty with a female in captivity or under human care. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's that's about typical. You know, for I mean, carnivores are like teens. Yeah. So yeah, they live a little bit longer than than most. Um, No significant predators predators go after arctic wolves. I'm sure a lion would kill one. I mean, they you
1: know well, and the pups when they're younger, uh, of course.
0: Yeah. Vulnerable to stuff. Uh, I think jackals, baby hyenas, things like that. I did read that domestic dogs are a problem for them, especially ones that are trained to hunt. So they may accidentally kill an aard wolf because, again, mm-hmm. these aren't very big. You know, the size, size of uh, foxes. We did talk about their toes. The only the cool thing I really found physiology-wise is they have those cheek teeth, right? I mean, those yeah, specialized cheek teeth.
1: exactly. They have canines, right? So, yeah. But then their basically mouth over those millions of years has been adapted to eat termites. And so they do have a long, sticky tongue. If you want to think about it, like an aardvark or pangolin or something, as Chris mentioned. But they also have specialized cheek teeth uh, that have basically been reduced to like flattened pegs. That are used for mm. basically softening, I suppose, the insects that they eat, and in general, they do have a strong jaw. Not that they really need it so much, so. But I thought that that was just once again like crazy how evolution works. Like where you live and mm-hmm. what you specialize in and what you eat, your body will change for that, right? Because you, you know you're, you're more likely to survive. So my probably one of my favorite physiological facts is that. They their mane, that comb that we talked about, Mm. it it typically lays flat, but they'll use it to appear bigger. And that's where the howling effect comes in. And so we'll have to find a picture for our show notes page to to really show you when it stands up. Because if somebody's intruding upon its territory, uh, they use it more as like a warning uh, to put their their hackles up. But like I said, it's like the whole thing. And it is seriously punk rock. So uh, Mm -hmm, I just really, really love that. And and just because you know me, Chris, I can never pass up an opportunity to, to talk about feces. <laughs> yeah. So I did find the fun fact that aardwolves uh, have like special toilet areas. So they're clean for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be within their territory and they'll use it to urinate and defecate. It's called a midden. So what's another species that we've talked about uh, having? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask
0: it. I just knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, I would say hyena just because they're related mm-hmm. to hyena.
1: Africa, right? you're in the right well oh midden oh i know not, not painted I mean, dogs <laughs> can you see what i'm
0: i okay here we go charades yeah I it, it's not an elephant no <laughs> oh a horn
1: yeah oh yeah rhinos
0: duh there. rhinos do yeah of course they do. Okay. Yeah. Good thing we don't yeah, yeah, play yeah, 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 charades
1: yeah. together. We got to stick to podcasting. <laughs> that's a terrible word, but yeah, I get it. It's like
0: me with the moose, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your moose antlers were the worst I've ever seen. <sighs> but yeah, no, so, yeah,
0: that's right. Rhinos, yeah, rhinos. So, do. Yeah.
1: so yeah, I love that they are very, you know, controlled when they go to the bathroom, they have their special spot. Uh, And then some researchers say too, they'll even, they might even cover it up a little bit too. Uh, But scent is a real important way that they communicate, which we'll talk about when we get to behavior.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And um, before we do real quick nutrition, I mean, we obviously been talking about them eating termites, and the the genus or genre of snouted harvester termites specifically, the Trimerovitermes is the species or the, the the genre that they they eat. Now it's interesting. I did read in South Africa, especially when it gets cold. You know, the, those termites are harder to get in because I think when you talk about behavior, they don't destroy mounds like.
1: So we can talk about right now. It's super crazy, fascinating. They basically don't destroy a termite mound, even though they consume daily. They consume anywhere from two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand termites a day, or actually at nighttime because they're nocturnal. But they're smart, and I I guess they understand how biology works because they do not just—they will not clean out an entire termite mound. They eat enough for the day, and then they basically, they'll eat some, and then they'll go on to the next mound. And the thought is, is that way it helps the termites be able to rebuild, and then an aardwolf is smart, and they'll come visit it like a month later. They'll like memorize the location, and then they'll come visit it again within a few months after it's had time to rebuild from the damage that they did
0: previously.
1: So I uh, I just for me it's super smart what a, what a, what a cool specialist to be able to have that ability and that that kind of wherewithal to know not to just gobble unlike humans that want to just mm-hmm. gobble up all the fossil fuels or mm-hmm. whatever uh wood what, resources it, yeah. yeah the resources so really interesting and they also will lick them off the ground as opposed to the aardvark which is known for its claws and just dig, 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 and Mm -hmm. kind of damage the mound. Um, These guys basically locate their food by sound and also scents secreted by some of the soldier termites. And what I found fascinating was that species that I'm not going to say, whatever, uh, of termite (laughs) that they eat, these termites secrete a toxin. That deters many predators. Like they're like, no, forget about it. However, the aardwolf shows little aversion to this, uh, it's called like a terpene toxin. Mm-hmm. A little spicy. Just yeah, and they're like, I mean, when they're yeah. it's yeah. yeah, it's exactly it's like when they're licking them and they're sticking to their tongue and they're, you know, they're just getting and they're just getting injected with toxins and they're just like, whatevs. Mm. And, That's you good. know, yeah. <laughs> <It's> so <yummy. laughs> crazy. But it is really interesting. Of course, termites and that species is what they really specialize in. But they also don't just eat like the adult termites. They'll eat some larvae. Like they mix it up. They know how mm-hmm. to basically not just go after one, one type of termite. And they will eat other species once in a while if... uh like in the winter, resources are, are hard. And with that being said, they have been known to once in a while eat other insects uh, mm-hmm. and occasionally mm-hmm. a small mammal or bird. But yeah. I, look, I found a, a 2011 study in African zoology where researchers were in Benfoteen Game Reserve in the North Cape province of South Africa. And they collected data for about uh, a year and a half uh, looking at radio collared ardwolves and they would collect their scat in mm-hmm. in their in these mittens where they where they're known to defecate and urinate. And what they did find is there, of course, is primarily termites, but they will have some uh, spiders, sun spiders, and scorpion remains. So okay. that's not your average
0: no, dessert.
1: Not, no. no, thank you. No, there. No. <laughs> so. No, no. Uh, Now, their observations suggest that they are still very much a specialist because the large percent of what was in their scat was termites. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the research did show that if there is a lot of food scarcity or pressure, that they can eat other things, um, which makes researchers hope or wonder that with climate change and all, with the whole ecosystem being... Messed up uh, that they can maybe be not such a special specialist, maybe just a specialist. And once again, mm-hmm. special specialist is please don't coin me with that term. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new scientific term. Yeah. So, uh, I, so that yeah, was interesting. I was,
0: the nutrition part was fascinating, even though they only eat one species or whatever, but it's just, they're, they're right. They're the specialist specialist. So it's fascinating. It's just really interesting. And, and the only other thing I can add is you know, they said sometimes you see aardwolves wolves like picking at a corpse, and they're like, oh, they eat carrion, but they're not. They're eating the beetles and insect larvae that's in that decaying corpse. That's what they're going after. Wow. They're not eating the, yeah. the rotten meat or anything. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the not
1: like hyenas, even though they're like hyenas. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I know. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So anyways, uh, again, uh, just some fascinating stuff. What are some of the other behaviors? I know we talked to them about them being nocturnal.
1: Well, in true Halloween form, they yeah. only come out yeah. at night, right? Right. There During the day, they're sleeping in burrows. Now, in the winter, when food is scarce, and they might have to eat a different type of termite or a few other insects, they may come out uh, during the day and feed a little bit, uh, just to make sure that they're getting all their meeting all their nutritional needs. But in general, with their dens that they dig, uh, they actually a lot of times are just visitors. They don't often dig their own dens. They'll uh, use previously dug dens by aardvarks or springhare species. And they will sometimes have up to 10 different dens that they're utilizing at a time uh, in their territory. And their territory is not super big. But Chris, what I found interesting too with their dens is that whether they are using somebody else's, an old one, or dig their digging their own, they usually have a couple dens going at, at a time. They have, oh, I I want to sleep in this one that's extra dry, and I want to sleep in this one that's extra deep. So mm. they usually have a couple going... At every at, in their territory at any given point in time, and then they'll maybe rotate them every six months or so as they need to move for food, or maybe as they just get bored of them. So it's not they're they're not they don't they don't just like stick to one area at all times like mm-hmm, some other species yeah. that we've talked about. And then another really cool mythbuster that I found is a lot of the early research or word on the street will, if you will was that they were solitary. And that actually goes a little bit more with the creepy Halloween theme at nighttime and stuff. But in fact, uh, what researchers have shown is that they usually live in monogamous pairs with their young. And they spend their time in about four square kilometers looking for the termites. Uh, And they do typically forage alone at night. They're usually not foraging in pairs unless once again it's like the wintertime and there, or there's a food scarcity or something like that. Uh, but they usually in the past when that's happened, there has been documentation of them foraging together, but they're still not like cuddled up and like next to each other. They're still like, you know, feet apart, if you will. However, though, their little family units, uh, or groups, they don't really like to bump into other aardwolves or other intruders And if that happens, that's a lot of times when they'll put their comb or their mane or their hackles up and make some noises like they can make like a soft clucking noise or a horse barking and even like a type of a roar or a howl. Which I tried to find on the internet, but I couldn't find it. So yeah, it's, that's a it's, tough one. I'm yeah, sure that's just, kind of a hard one to find. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. when they are under human care, like at the Cincinnati Zoo, they're yeah. they're they're busy during the nighttime, which is why I think zoos yeah. they're not necessarily a super fun species to, to house yeah. because yeah. the kids can't see them usually. And,
0: and I do want to just interject real quick too. We said in the beginning, Angie, you said least concern. So again, zoos today are really trying to serve as lifeboats to these endangered species or species on the way out. So our wolves are doing pretty well, okay, out in the wild, you know, we talked about. So that's probably another reason you don't see a lot of them uh, under human care.
1: Exactly. No, Chris, you bring up a good point for sure. Uh, But yeah, so they do have these, these vocal communications with each other, but it's not their first, um, their first way that they're going to communicate. They're usually going to only do that when they are warning, Hey, you know, stay away from my territory. Or if there may be a pup talking to one of their parents. Um, but the main way that they communicate is through their scent. And so anybody that maybe Google the picture of uh, an aardwolf pup, or there was one YouTube video I saw where it looked like there was an ardu wolf in somebody's home, but I think it was one that had been hand reared, but released back in the wild, but he would still come and visit once in a while. Long story short, don't do it. Um, I don't think it is done because they have a lot of stinky scent gland markings. I mean, we're talking, they will mark all around their territory, all around the termite mounds, once they showed up to like anywhere from like twenty, fifty, a hundred scent markings, just why they were observing them, like stinking it up. And so they have these scent glands on their forefoot, and then uh, their the penile pad if they're a male. And these scent glands, these anal scent glands, are stinky. It's like liquidy, dark in color, and foul, foul smelling. So it's not like the beaver. Yeah, <laughs> I just always think of the fever. I, I don't think, think the they're fever. making vanilla e- extract from Ardwolf. Uh No, no. This no. is yeah. This is something uh, that you probably want to stay away from a lot. Uh, and yeah. and they use it often. They'll use it if, if they're scared, if they're threatened, and then of course just in general to mark, hey, this is this is my my area, and it's like a black substance, and it like leaves streaks. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling bad for those Cincinnati zoo <laughs> those zookeepers mm-hmm, if they mm-hmm, have to like mm-hmm. scrub this greasy waxy uh, go in those. Anal oh, gland, yes, the, yeah. it's gonna stink, yeah, yeah. So, but however, if you are an ardwolf, it's perfume, right? That's yeah, how yeah, you talk to goes. each other, and and you say, "This is my area," or "This is my lady," or "This is my man," uh, and so it can get extra stinky or smelling good during the breeding season, which, depending on which subspecies you're talking about or which location, um, it's going to usually take place in the autumn or the spring. And that's when they really they really start. They call it pasting, pasting up the place of just their uh, their scent glands and all the marking that they're doing. And it's used to attract a partner, of course. And so, although they're monogamous pairs are what's usually found, the male he can he will sometimes breed multiple females, but he'll pick one to stay with. Um, and, and he is territorial versus female. And that's really the only time like there's any aggressive interactions between males is going to be during breeding season. But mm-hmm. once again, they're not aggressive like you would think like wolf aggressive. They're more just – they're shy creatures in general. So they're not trying to really cause anybody uh, harm for the most part. But when male and female do get together – but Chris, I couldn't really find any information on their courtship behaviors because I bet it would be so cool. They're such a unique animal uh, that draws hints from so many other species that I was dying to be like, oh, how you know how do they court one another? But I couldn't find it because they are hard yeah. to research. They're nocturnal. Yeah. They're elusive. They're shy. I mean, I, I found tons of videos where the cameraman gets the aardwolf on, on screen and is following it for a second and it just dashes off. You know, it's, it's it's shy. And then of course it's like dark out. So, but what we do know is that uh, females will are pregnant for about 90 days after they're fertilized and they give birth anywhere from two to five cubs. They're called, I've been calling them pups. So I apologize. They usually get birth during the rainy season, which for where they live is like November, December area. Uh, And because that's when, the termite mounds are a lot more active and so that, you know, they're going to be able to, to, to provide more food for themselves to nourish their, uh, cubs. And when these little darlings are born, they have their eyes open, but they're really pretty helpless and they're tiny. They're about 200 to 350 grams. So that's like less than small. It's like less than like 10 to 12 ounces. So they spend the time in the den with their parents, for the first six to eight weeks and what you'll love is, I know they have this punk rock, you know, mentality of their <laughs> the comb on their hair. But the, the dads are sweethearts. The males spend yeah. up to six hours a night watching over the cubs while, while mom goes and forages. Yeah, see?
0: There yeah. you go. There's some good dads out there. Totally good dad. dads. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: And so, yeah, and the males are basically spending a lot of time and energy guarding the den, you know, letting the female go into, mm-hmm. you know, the produces milk go get the food. And so the, the cubs definitely stay underground in the den for the first month or so. And then they'll start to go foraging with the parents. Uh, because it is, it is a skill set to learn, right? We talk a lot about this when we talk about carnivores is it's not just, they have to learn how to hunt. And I know we're just talking termite mounds, but it is still a type of hunting, right? And, Mm-hmm. figuring out how to do it and where to go and how how many to eat or not eat right that's that's all learned from the parents helping teach the young ones and so by about 4 months they're pretty independent and starting to forage a little bit more on their own and uh the mom has started weaning them but usually they stick to they stay together for about a year so a big big parental investment yeah. and then yeah, yeah. Males and females reach sexual maturity at about two years of age. So, yeah. Nice. Really, really cool yeah. stuff. I, but once again, I was so – I you know, I hate to stereotype animals just by looking at them. But I was like, yeah, that – or you think of hyenas, you know, like, yeah, yeah. the dad's not going to help. Totally not going to help. But – Keith, oh, like, that's a
0: matriarchal, matriarchal society. The Hyenas—they're like the males are at the bottom. We don't, bottom, yeah, they're like we don't need ladder. those yeah.
1: males. Uh, yeah, no. but, yeah. but yeah, no, it's interesting.
0: It's—it's it's just they're so different, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Even though the hyena is like really their closest relatives, all the different species of hyena, and these guys are are just just unique. Such a unique species. Such a unique species. Uh, the good news is, like Angie said early on, least concerned, stable population, not fragmented, prime habitats, this open grassland. Uh, so like Angie said, there is some conflict with, with humans. They are losing some habitat, uh, can be persecuted or, like she said, uh, mis-ID'd. But, you know, not a lot of concern with them conservation-wise right now, which is good, which is good.
1: And yeah, because of that, Chris, I, I didn't find an organization specializing in aardwolf conservation, but mm. uh, maybe go to the Cincinnati Zoo for me and they yeah. they have a couple cool videos with their aardwolf on there. So uh, check those out and uh, support them if you can.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll link I'll link Cincy Zoo. I always got to love Cincy Zoo and, and the support they've given us, especially early on in the podcast.
1: I know. They believe uh, so, in us like right away when we were like- <laughs> I know. Yeah,
0: they're
1: <laughs> we they invested like, in I us. I mean, we're know? still- nobodies but when we were extra yeah. extra nobodies <laughs> uh they 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 jumped on board the train really quick because i know that they, they believe in education and that's uh we're all we're all in this fight together just like our listeners are co- sharing this episode you're a conservation yeah. hero teaching probably your family friends roommates significant other whoever you yeah. are with they probably don't know about aardwolves so uh, yeah. let alone those yeah. cute pups or cubs or whatever they're called
0: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, conservation tips this weekend. I again keep it on the termites. Now, like I said, termites are important ecologically, but they do around the world because we have thousands of listeners around the world. I know you say we're nobodies, but we have people in India listening to <laughs> we're, us.
1: We're we like medium Japan. buddies, like not no, but yeah, like yeah, medium. No, nah, yeah.
0: we'll get there. We'll get there. That's fine. It's the oh, I,
1: yeah. No, I like I yeah. like uh, I like our but, you know, our fans. We, All of our friends, you
0: know, most of our friends that listen to this podcast from around the world, termites are a concern, especially with damage to homes. So there are some eco-friendly ways, which you're going to laugh at this, but there are eco-friendly ways to get rid of termites. First thing I would say, if you notice sawdust near the wood in your home, contact a professional termite expert immediately and you need a termite inspection. Because if the termites get in the wood of your house, they can do a lot of damage. So again, you know, trying to protect our listeners in, in your, your, your home. With that being said, the best eco-friendly termite treatment solution is prevention. Yes. So you, you, we're trying to reduce using chemical pesticides. Like that's what I'm trying to get at here. So if you can do certain things to keep termites out of the home, you don't have to spray these horrific pesticides. So one tip is keep firewood, logs, and other wood debris as far away from your home as possible. I know growing up, like cutting wood, especially you in Michigan, not in California as much, but um, like yeah, where did I cut wood? I think in South Carolina was at Clemson. But keeping wood near your house, mm-hmm. like chopped up wood for your fires or whatever, don't stack it right outside next to your house. Right, stack it away,
1: away, because yeah. that's
0: where termites, yeah, termites come. If, <laughs> so, here's how you get rid of termites. And I don't know why this makes me laugh, but the best way to get rid of termites in your house is heat. You have to, or really any bug, but to get rid of home pests, you have to get, you have to heat up your home to at least 120 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Whoa. You can't do yeah, that. You I can't do saying. that with the heater, but no. let me.
0: It just made me think of hearing those stories about those people that burnt down their houses when they were trying to kill spiders with with fire. Don't do that. Just get a professional and they can probably bring in some space heaters or something to heat the house. But heat will kill termites and other things in the home. Bring a professional. But that's one way that they can get rid of it. Uh, The other way is baiting. Uh, it's, It's one way they do it. It treats wood with a poison that's only harmful to termites. And then the termites feed on it and take it back to the nest and kill it. But get a professional. Don't go. I would just, I would ask our listeners, don't go and just start spraying pesticides everywhere. Sure. Um, because you can kill off a lot of beneficial insects mm-hmm. that, you know, not just termites. You may not even get the termites. You're just killing off other things. Get a professional out and, and you know. Treat it, but don't just sit there and let them burrow into your house and live with them because that's not good either.
1: You mm-hmm. You're Term- right. <laughs>
0: Anyways, there you go. The termite slash Ardwolf episode. I love it. But yeah, yes. it's amazing. Yes. It was amazing. amazing it's getting
1: amazing. us geared up for amazing. Halloween though, right?
0: Yes. Yes, it's, it's. I'm so excited. I can't wait for our next one. I can't wait for the next episode, the episode after that, the episode after that. We've got some great species. I know. Coming. Now
1: I got to talk. Um, maybe I can talk Zachy into being an ardwolf for Halloween. How cute would that, oh, that be? That would be awesome. So cute. Oh my God. He's dead set be. on being a llama corn. So that's like a llama and a unicorn mixed together, <laughs> which is Lama. the costume okay. is adorable, but that's what he was last year. And the costume's getting yeah. a little tight on him this year. <laughs> so he's get, he's gotten tall. So we'll see. We'll see what I can do.
0: Look for us on social media if Zachy does the art. I know,
1: but gosh, gone are the days where I could just make them be like a cute zebra or a hippo yeah. or, a, oh, we've done rhinos, peacocks. We have it all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, and Look forward to next week.
1: Thank you, Chris. This is another fun episode. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners.
0: Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.